Welcome to the Beyond Mom podcast, the podcast for moms seeking connection to self while navigating the journey of motherhood. Get inspired with our practical tools, soulful conversations, and honest stories told by other women like you. From entrepreneurship to healthy living to style, Beyond Mom will spark you to live the thriving life you deserve. And now, join our host, Randy Zinn, as she takes you Beyond Mom. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Beyond Mom podcast. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Very excited to share inspiration and stories and meaningful connections with all of you who are out there navigating the Beyond Mom experience. This is Randy. I'm the founder of all of this, all this Beyond Mom stuff, and it's a joy to be with you. And today I'm recording and sitting right next to my dear friend, uh, Nicola Kraus. She has so much to share with us. Let me give you a little bit about her. Um, she is the number one best-selling co-author of The Nanny Diaries, which most of us are quite familiar with. Her 10th collaboration, How to Be a Grown-Up, comes out this July. Very excited for that. And this book is going to be a satire of modern marriage and modern motherhood. Since you are the co-author of The Nanny Diaries, you yourself we're a nanny. Um, yes, a little I while was. ago. <laughs> Just a little while. So I think it's really interesting because you're um, not only a career woman now, but you are a mom to an adorable five-year-old girl. And I think it's interesting to hear a bit from nanny to mom what you've learned. I would recommend nannying to anybody. I think that it is one of those things when I look at the girls that I nannied for, who I met when they were three, one of whom now works for Vanity Fair, just to give you a sense of how long ago that was. But when they were graduating from college and they asked for life advice, I said, look after children anywhere you can because it will just make you a much more relaxed parent. And if you can do a year of yoga, um, I think that that will help get out anything you may have accumulated in your body up until age 21 and it will set you up beautifully for adulthood. They're like, great, we'll get right on that. Um, it <laughs> might actually be useless advice. But for me, the experience of looking after so many children over the course of so many years and then watching them grow to adulthood was just a, a fantastic primer because I got to have a visceral sense of something that I think sometimes it takes people having two, three, or four children to understand, which is that all children are different, that you can have two or three children of your own, and they each sleep train differently, and they each like different foods, and they each have completely different temperaments. Mm -hmm. So I think it allowed me to be very open to the experience of Sophie and to meet her at every stage and kind of find out who she is and what her inclinations are and what her preferences are and not to impose my own preconceptions because those preconceptions got busted out of me by about age 22. That's really interesting. Good advice. I think as, as moms and parents in general, we have an idea of how things should be, mm -hmm. and, it's, and then we get, we get rudely <laughs> And then shocked. it's 7.30 in the morning, and that's already completely gone. Exactly. Exactly. It's a really good advice. <laughs> One of the things I also find so interesting about you is that you are a born and bred New Yorker, having grown up in Manhattan, and now you get to raise a child here, mm -hmm. and I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of people raised in Manhattan that say, I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. um, so how is it being a New Yorker and now choosing to raise your daughter here? You know, it, it's funny. I think it actually ties back to what I was just saying, because I also had friends who were just dropped from the mothership. They never felt comfortable here. 
as soon as they graduated from high school, they picked the most rural college they could go to, and then they moved straight to a horse farm or to, you know, Santa Barbara. They just were meant to be out in nature. They never liked this. I was completely the opposite. From a very young age, I deeply appreciated New York City. So I don't just live here. I'm like like Carrie Bradshaw. Like, it is one of my great loves. <laughs> And I, I loved the book Eloise. I just thought being a New York City kid was just about the most glamorous thing humanly possible. Uh, but I should also say that my parents took pains. Uh, we spent our summers on farms. So I, I did have, I have a bit of a balance, which I think is essential. But my biggest under or appreciation or the lens that I bring to having been raised in the city and now raising Sophie in the city is that the economics of it have just changed so dramatically. When my parents did it, it was kind of a renegade thing. You, you had your choice of which private school to send your kid to based on you know, what you thought would be best for them. You weren't grateful just to get them in anywhere. And because the cost of living was lower, you just had a lot of options. My dad's a bookseller. My mother was a librarian. So, and in my, at, I went to Chapin. And there were parents in my class who were choreographers, ballerinas, nurse, mailmen, painters. I don't think you get that kind of eclectic mix now. That's a good point. And so I'm just very aware of the community that I'm trying to build around Sophie because I'd like her to be around children who are also have parents who are sort of in creative professional endeavors who sort of bring that lens onto life, that curiosity about like, you know, what's playing at BAM and, um, you know, can we take you to a puppet show? I'm also just very aware that making the decision to raise a child in Brooklyn now is a very privileged decision. You know, that, that a lot of our friends have decided to, to move out and to leave for really understandable reasons. So it's not something I take for granted. Even though I grew up here, I'm deeply appreciative of the fact that we're able to be here. Mm. We could and dive into right for her. We could dive into a million subjects based on that statement. And I hope she's not one of those kids who graduates and like moves to a year in the woods. Like I hope she looks back on it and says that Brooklyn was the right choice for her. I hope. I hear you. So it seems like Though you yourself are a creative and a writer, produce many different things and many different ideas, it seems that you definitely have a nurturing quality to you, from nanny to mom, and now you defined this new venture, which is a finished thought, this creative process that you help entrepreneurs go through to create a book, and you even defined yourself as a midwife for people in the creative process. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a cool concept. So I'd love to hear more about about this endeavor and what it means to you and how people can connect with you on that. And, and then, of course, some of your favorite tips for helping people that are navigating that. I think Emma and I love to help people. We always have. So for years, friends of ours would say, I have an idea for a book. And our next response would be, let's meet for coffee. Let's help you get an outline going. Let's help you marry that to a schedule so you have some real concrete deliverables. And last year, Emma started to realize that she got more excited about that than the idea of starting another book with me. So she has now moved back to consulting full-time, which is actually what I stole her away from 15 years ago. I forced her to give up a real grown-up job and become a writer with me. And now she's like, I'm 40. Can I go back to the grown-up job now? I'm like, yes, you can. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for keeping me company. Um, but I, I think it 
if you're someone who feels an, an inkling or an itch to, to do something, um, whether it's to start an organization or to write a book or build a website or create a blog, I think having someone to support you through that process is invaluable. And I think it's one of the things I love so much about the Beyond Mom community and what you're creating because the women that I talk to every day are having trouble figuring out how, how do you make something concrete? Like, how do you make it manifest? And also, what makes it real? I think as women, we have trouble giving ourselves permission. I think we always tend to feel a little bit fraudulent. We're doing something that's never been done before. Therefore, it must kind of be um, this totally made up fake thing. Right. Whereas I think when a man's doing something that's never been done before, he just feels like a trailblazer. And a woman feels like a fraud, like she's pulling one over on people. Right. Um, I have a friend who produced, she's the youngest woman ever to have produced a Broadway musical wow. last year. And she felt so insecure about all her opinions because she hadn't it, done it before. Don't they call it the imposter syndrome? Exactly, the imposter syndrome. Right. <laughs> so I think one of the things that can really help people, and especially women with the imposter syndrome, is to have support and community, to have a sounding board, to have somebody to say... Yes, when you describe your vision to me, I can completely see that realized and to help you break it down into steps, which is why I think life coaches can be really valuable. Um, support like your community, the book that you're going to be publishing, um, something that will help people to say, okay, if we start from the most crystallized vision of where you want to go, let's step back from there and break it down into steps. And then let's realistically say, is each step a month? Is each step two months? And then you can work back and create a real calendar. So instead of saying, all right, I want to start an organization. So let's say you picture the organization at its, its fullest um, manifestation of itself. And then you can say, all right, so in this organization, I can see I have an assistant. So that's probably, if the organization is step 10, then maybe hiring that assistant is step nine. And then I have letterhead. So maybe that's step eight. And you just sort of work your way backward to the place that you are that so that it's not overwhelming. Because the, the most important thing is not to be overwhelmed. I think overwhelm leads to paralysis. And then paralysis does not move you forward. Right. And baby steps. Baby steps. They really, before you know it, when you've taken a series of baby steps, you've mm -hmm. actually achieved something. Mm -hmm. But often you do need that partner, that person to help you see the steps and then see the forest through the trees. Exactly. I, I'm working on a, a book now that I know is going to be a really huge undertaking. So I'm doing 250 words, not even every day now, maybe every couple of days. I'll just do 200. It's nothing, but it's becoming manifest. And I will get on the phone with Emma and I'll just read it to her and she'll offer a couple of suggestions. So it doesn't even have to be a paid professional. If you have a friend who's a great sounding board, take advantage of that. Don't feel like you have to keep it all up between your ears. Right. So good point. So, I mean, I have the privilege of working with you in person, but I know that um, you and Emma are basically shaping a finished thought to be something that people in really anywhere mm -hmm. can connect with you. How, how do you shape that? So do you want me to talk about like how we went from having the idea to actually making it a business? Because that was a really exciting <laughs> entrepreneurial journey. Just well, actually, I meant more, I'm sure people listening to us are like, wow, I have a small business. Mm -hmm. I've dreamed of writing a book. I want to learn about mm -hmm. that. How can people in um, Toledo connect with a finished thought? 
So we have the website, um, which is thefinishedthought.com, and the way that we've been working with people is that they will send us what they have, um, whether it's the germ of an idea, some people have an outline, some people have several chapters or a first draft that's stalled. Um, Emma's primarily been working with people who are doing fiction, although she has one guy who's writing a book about computers, hmm. and I've primarily been doing nonfiction, but honestly, I have a lot of experience with fiction. We'll read it through and do an initial session, but sometimes it can be over Skype, um, and we'll share with someone our vision for where the potential is, where we think they're at now, and concrete steps to get from one to the other. Again, eliminating overwhelm and eliminating paralysis. And then if that sounds right, if it feels in keeping in alignment with what they were hoping for the project, then we start working together on a weekly basis. We help them to create a, a very clear outline. We help them to figure out in their schedule, because most of the people that we're working for are already doing a 40 to 60 hour week. And so we help them carve out writing time and hold that sacred. And even just having to send us pages, we find it takes someone from a place of a book being something that they hope to do, mean to do, want to do, to something they're doing. They're doing. And that's probably the most major thing. And certainly mm -hmm. for myself, so major. Mm -hmm. And also I feel like because we're this is the Beyond Mom podcast, and I hope we're having mostly mom listeners that mm -hmm. are, are seeking the, the next steps for their life, um, I think it's definitely worthy of saying that both Nikki and Emma are moms. Mm -hmm. And I know for the Beyond Mom book, the level of conversation that we're able to have and the things that we're able to dig into and dialogue on, mm -hmm. it's just huge. And, and now I, I don't think I could have worked with anybody that wasn't a mom <laughs> because it's just such a deep, deep thing. Um, so I just want to say that. And, and based on the fact that you are a mom and you're working with people who um, conceivably could be moms, why at this point do you feel like moms are truly prepared for entrepreneurship or for creating these creative projects? Because I, I asked that question specifically because I think a lot of moms feel that there's no space or there's no time mm -hmm. or their creative endeavors are gone or something. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, why do you feel that moms have it? I have a friend who was an editor at Men's Health Magazine, and her boss said to her when she told him that she was expecting her first child, he said, oh, I love working with moms because nobody gets stuff done as fast as moms do. And she was so relieved because she was new there and she was worried about her job. And it turned out that he was incredibly supportive to the women who worked under him who had children. And I love that story because it's so true. I think that moms are uniquely suited to entrepreneurship because our relationship to time has completely changed. I mean, now if I get 20 minutes to myself, I am so recharged. It's like what a week's vacation would have been before I had children. Right. I think that we're, we're incredibly efficient. Yeah. We're fantastic at multitasking. We're industrious for sure. We're so industrious. <laughs> and also we keep everything in perspective. Mm -hmm. I think the great thing about having children is that, you know, you have days where none of it went the way you thought it was going to. And yet they get to the end of the day, they're in bed. You're like, ah, you know what? It was a great day. It was fine. And so we understand something innately that I was just reading the, the guy, he's 26 years old and he founded Reddit. You know, he was a billionaire by the time he was 24. And he talks about the MVP, not the most valuable player, but the minimum viable product. 
when you get something that is just ready to go out, go out with it. Because until you've tested something, you're not going to understand how your audience or your consumer is responding to it, and you can't start making changes. And I think that a lot of women are really emboldened by the experience of becoming moms. We know that perfection is gone. You know, that this idea of, of, of the insecurity of waiting for this ideal moment or this ideal product or this ideal version of the website, it's, it's not coming. So just go, just right. do it. Right. And so I think we become a little bit braver. Mm. Agreed. I definitely agree with that. Well, there's so many more things that we could talk about. We could go on and mm -hmm. on. But um, I think it's worthy of saying that there's multiple ways that you can <laughs> connect with Nikki um, through her website, thefinishthought.com. You can find her on social media, too. And I actually just recently posted uh, what we call our Beyond Mom interviews on the Beyond Mom website. So you can read more about her. She is very funny. In case you didn't get a <laughs> chuckle here and there, she makes me chuckle. So definitely log in, come on to the site, rzbeyondmom.com, and read more about Nikki. Follow her and her endeavors. And, um, of course, at Beyond Mom, we love to feature inspiring women like her who have a unique perspective and who are doing really interesting things and, and have something fresh to offer this community so um, is there anything else you'd like to leave the Beyond Mom podcast with, Nikki? <laughs> um, no, I, I just, I, I'm so grateful to be a part of this community. It's funny, as someone who's been working my whole life, never questioned that I was going to keep working after having Sophie, it still surprises me sometimes, the insecurity that can come up. Um, and it's been great, as I've been reading your blog posts, to realize that there are lots of women who are grappling with this insecurity. And that by supporting each other, we give each other the courage to keep contributing because if you have something inside of you that you want to share with others and you don't give yourself that opportunity, I believe it festers, you know, so yeah, I agree. anyway, so I'm, I'm very grateful. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being part of this and for helping me begin to birth my next <laughs> vision and contribution. So um, again, rzbeyondmom.com. You can find me on social media as well at Randy Zinn. And thank you for tuning in. Good luck with everything you're working on. Bye.